Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Grimuga. Number one bold color, Stan Cullen Edgley. Emilio Diaz. So today, we are, I believe for the third straight week in a row, continuing our series on uh, the films that played in competition at Cannes in uh, 2006. Uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, Volver this week, the uh, Pedro Almodovar film, as well as one of his previous films, uh, The Flower of My Secret. Uh, and to do that, we are joined by the uh, TV critic at The Hollywood Reporter and the host of the All About Almodovar, Almodovar podcast, Ingu Kang. Hi, guys. Ooh. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us. <laughs> Despite my extreme, extreme inexperience with film festivals. Um. <laughs> hey, I mean, we're, we're, we're all, we're, most of us are doing it as a way to learn about them. Like we're not, we're far from experts, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Speak yeah, for yourself, Andy. All right, <laughs> fine. <laughs> I think we've we've both been to the same number of film festivals. Am I right, Emilio? <laughs> um, great. Uh, so yeah, so we're gonna get started. I think we'll we're gonna start. We're gonna go chronologically this time. So instead of starting with the 2006, we'll start with uh, the Flower of My Secret. Which what is the year? It's 97, right? Is the yeah 95 that one? 95. Yeah. Okay. 95. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess so. This is uh, did this also premiere at Cannes? Jesse, do you know? That's a great question. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it's a it's it's a story of um, it's you know a classic Almodovar sort of like you know families with secrets and and people with secrets and stuff like that. Um, there's it's a you know there, you got a woman who's who's a, a, a writer who's who has all these relationships and stuff. Uh, um, and yeah, uh, who is Jesse? Did you do you have that in her? I'm still working. On it. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. No, it did not play Cam. Okay. It uh, it premiered. Yeah, <laughs> it premiered uh, as many of his movies did. It just premiered in Spain as a regular release first. Mm-hmm. Uh, in September of 95, and then a couple weeks later, it played the New York Film Festival. So that would have probably been the international premiere. Um, yeah, and this is, so I guess we should maybe talk a little bit about our Almodovar experiences before. This is, I think, the fifth or sixth I've seen, and I I just started watching them like within the last year. Like Pain and Glory was the first one I saw at Toronto last year. And then, yeah, since then, we've we watched a bunch for the podcast, um, uh, which I've, uh, you know, they've all been really wonderful and I really have fallen in love with, with many of them. Um, I think, Did Emilio, you fall in you're... love with this one? This, yeah, this one I, I liked a lot. I think this is maybe one of the ones that I'm a little cooler on, but it's still, like, in that, like, four-star range for me of, like, it's, a, like, a really great movie. It's so engaging. It's so wonderful to look at. Um, the performances are all really great. I think it, like, didn't quite, like, reach the level of my, like, favorites that I've seen of his so far, but I think it's still, like, really, really good. Uh, you were gonna pass it to me? Yeah, I yes. mean, I love Almodovar. He is 
One of the things that I often am sad about is that I'm not more into Spanish language film. It's just like I've not been exposed to it as much as I would like to, considering it's the f my first language and what I speak the most frequently uh, compared to English. But Almodovar is one of the few guys I've gone semi-deep on. This is like my 10th movie of his I've watched. This is like the fourth time we talk about him on this podcast. because We've talked about Broken Embraces in the past. We've talked about Julieta in the past, which is my favorite. We've talked about The Human Voice, his recent short. And we also talked about... What was the other we one? We did Pain and Glory. Like Pain and Glory, yes. We gave Antonio yes, exactly. that actor. Yeah, so, I mean, he's wonderful. And this sort of slots into the middle of of my like ratings of his films in that I I think it's maybe his most visually captivating movie it's just like it he he's known for his use of color he is that's his trademark he has done it very impressively in a lot of his films but I think in this one it's as it's more striking than it's ever been I guess that's the way I would put it it's so like there's so much use of visual imagination because it's maybe one of his smaller movies plot wise as a person who often goes out there in terms of its plot and the way that his stories develop this is one of the like more internal smaller ones i guess julieta is also a movie that is like pretty small and internal but yeah i responded to it very much uh, I'm I'm curious what you thought about it, Inku, that you are more of an Almodovar expert than maybe the rest of us. I really did not like this movie. <laughs> wow. wow. That's crazy. Um, I think it's a really important work for him in that it transitions him from sort of like his early to middle period onto this like much more mature period in his work i think he makes flower of my secret great great it's like very solid but like you know it's like okay and then he has this incredible run that we have talked about at length on all about almodovar where he starts with all about my mother which is one of my personal like favorite films of all time and then talk to her and then bad education and then for and then volver which is like basically four solid masterpieces in a row within less than a decade like that is amazing and i think with flower and i think the other thing to note about pedro almodovar is that as you guys have probably seen if you've seen even just like i don't know four or six almodovar movies he tends to repeat a lot of his like motifs and storylines and this to me was sort of like a lesser version of women on the verge of a nervous breakdown which is another one of his masterpieces where you basically have this like woman who is spending her entire time really neurotic about like some guy basically and you can and like the audience can't ever really tell what is so great about this guy like the point of the movie is that she's in distress um mm -hmm. and basically spins out in a way that like ultimately like she sort of finds like female solidarity with other women by the end and that's sort of like the comfort right but I feel like he's done it so much better in so many other versions of his movies that this one is, I don't know, it's like watching like 
a pastiche of Almodovar, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't like mean to come here and like rain on everyone's no, parade, but no, I'm please. going to give you it's, my honest opinion. That's what yes, we want, 100%. absolutely. Yeah. Maybe a great pivot to say that like I'm similar to Andy that I've only seen like five or six maybe, but I think that this is my favorite. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have not seen like you mentioned, uh, Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown and uh, All About My Mother. Those are like two like of his bigger ones that I haven't seen. Um, but I think like previously my favorite would probably have been like I really I I really like talk to her a lot. But like uh, Amelia and I were talking earlier, like I'm very just like into visual movies like. Um, that like do a lot stylistically and this one like is doing a lot and I was like super into all of it um, like the, I mean yeah like I said like the, the colors thing is like a classic like Almodovar like uh, trait and it's just like the transfer that I watched of uh, Fly My Secret was incredible and it just it just looked so good I was like way into it the whole time and then um, it was like um, <laughs> there was like a lot of just like I was very into like how sad it is and like uh there's like a lot of lines that like absolutely destroyed me um and the uh like the one that like stuck out the most to me is like uh when she's talking to the husband and uh she's like uh I'm slow and I don't take hints like is there any way we can save this and he just goes no and like walks out and I was like oh my god that just like broke my heart and then also like one of the lines where she uh she's like at the friend's house and she gets the call and it's like you can tell what it is that it's like the husband like is cheating on her or whatever and she's like i'm not home and you're my only friend and it's like that is so bleak um but yeah i was like i super responded to it um i i i, I like you're saying these other ones like i should definitely go deeper because like if this is lesser <laughs> comparatively then i'm like gonna be all in on the other ones but uh that was a very fun <laughs> reveal that you're like, this is not it. And then That's like, great. I got yeah. in my, the, in my back pocket that I loved it. But <laughs> Jesse, what did, what did you think? Yeah, I'm closer to like, I thought it was like, you know, still fairly solid, but certainly not one of my favorites. I've seen, you know, maybe a little more than you and Andy have Cullen. Uh, I want to say, Probably Volver was actually the first one that I saw, and that's maybe still my favorite, and that was, we'll talk about in a little bit, good to revisit, having seen a lot more of his. Uh, but yeah, I I was just like, at no point did I like not enjoy watching it, but there was never anything that like really grabbed me about this in the way that most of his other films do. I really love Marissa Paredes, who is the star of this movie. She has been in a bunch of his other ones. I think for me, her most notable role is the one in All About My Mother, where she basically plays this aging actress um, who is in love with and who is like, in, she's like in a production of A Streetcar Named Desire, where she's playing Blanche and her girlfriend is playing Stella and some I just like love the fact that Aladovar was like what if Blanche and Stella were a couple but anyway <laughs> <laughs> um I think that Marissa Paredes is like not the right person for this role honestly she has such like a regal quality to her and the movie kept telling me that she's so desperate for 
this guy to like come back to her and when she finds out that he's supposed to be there for 24 hours and he's actually only going to be there for two hours she flips out and stuff like that but she seems like such a self-assured self-sustaining presence to me that like Almodovar continually telling me like this woman is going to like have a nervous breakdown she almost even like I don't know, like attempt suicide because she can't be with yeah. her guy. I was like, nah, like literally, like any of your other actresses, like sure, like but Marissa Perotta's, I'm not, I don't think so. I think yeah, that's interesting because yeah. it's like because you compare it her with Carmen Mara, who basically plays this role in Woman on the Verge. Yes, and I think what I appreciate about it is that I think while similar like while you said i think they're very similar plot wise i think he is sort of trying to make it as different just like tonally as possible like this is one of his of the films i've seen this is one of his least funny movies i'll say it's like sort of like as colin said it's just it's sort of like stays sad the whole time and sort of like lives with her and it and I do. I think I sort of appreciate her regality because I think it, that's sort of what it's trying to comment on. I think he, Omotovar is a very good painter of like upper middle class sorrow. If that's a <laughs> weird way to put it, of of just like mm-hmm. a person yeah. who, mm-hmm. if you just like looked at from a distance, you'd be like, that person literally does not have a single problem in the world. What yeah. is wrong with them? And then, but then like solely peeling through her internal life and being like well actually she's like not in control not as much as in control of her image as she wants to be she's just like desperate it's like it sort of captures this like this like star like it's just like this sort of accuracy about loneliness where it's like she's the sort of person who like wants it's like she wants to be noticed but she doesn't want to be known if that's a way to put it where it's like she sort of just wants people to be around her but is she sort of also like people across the film she sort of just like refuses to let them in in a meaningful way to help them like she doesn't want to be helped she just wants people to acknowledge whatever sorrow she's going for even though like as we mentioned her appearance makes it difficult for people to empathize at a distance and it's sort and i sort of appreciate what he what he was doing with that i think i do sort of agree that i do prefer women on the verge and i do think this is like a thing he's done before and bet but better in other films but i will say that i adore almodovar to the point where he's like I sort of think about it, it, him in ACDC terms, which is a, a sort of weird comparison to make, but it's <laughs> like they have like three songs, but I'll listen to them a, a million times. And I'll motivate sort of a similar thing where it's like <laughs> he just has like four things he likes to make movies about, but they're all uh, he, I think, reaches a level of competency in directing that I would, I'd watch like even a lesser version and enjoy it. We have a guest on the podcast uh, named June Thomas, who's at Slate, where I used to work. And June had said something about how he will basically take a concept that he really loves 
and like work it and then rework it and then rework it until it reaches sort of like the apotheosis of what it's supposed to reach. And I think that that is like a really good model for looking at Almodovar. I think that the other thing that like I really could not help thinking about after watching something like 10 or 12 Almodovar movies within like a very short period of time, something like three months doing this podcast, is how so many of the later ideas that he's going to use are actually in this movie. And so it's almost sort of like a skeleton key for a lot of this later work. But I think like, obviously that's one of those things where if you have <laughs> this sort of cultish obsession with Almodovar, Almodovar like uh, Emilio and I do, then it's a little bit easier to like grasp that. Whereas I think if you're coming in new and a lot of these um, stuff is newer to you, I can definitely see being charmed by it. And this movie was really well received critically and box office wise mm-hmm. when it came out. So. Um, I think, well, I mean, because one of the things, like, I have never rewatched an Almodovar movie yet, and, like, I think, like, one of the things that has struck, struck, stricken me most is, like, I think he's maybe one of my favorite directors of plot. Like, he is so good, I think, at, like, having a story that, like, has little twists and turns every tw- every 10 or 15 minutes, or, like, plants something and then pays it off, like, shortly after, and, like the way that like this what is actually happening in the for, to the characters and and in their world like the way it comes into focus across the course of his movies i think is one of the things that i respond most to and i would be interested to to go back and like rewatch something that i have seen and liked and with like just a, a full understanding of what the plot is and see like what other elements i start to appreciate more beyond like the way that he's able to communicate a story to you for the first time in a way that like keeps you engaged and keeps you delighted and keeps you interested in everything that's going on i think a really good example um that the flower of my secret is of Almodovar's work is that he will give you really crazy plots and they will mm-hmm. actually never feel really crazy because it's just right. because he's so good at like the tonal fluidity of the plot lines like i think if you start with sort of like this core skeleton of this movie it's basically about a writer who has writer's block she doesn't want to keep producing the kind of romance novels that she has been and so basically she like <laughs> uh, i think like one of like the first surreal turns that you get is she is asked to do like a takedown of her own work um yeah. right <laughs> which is like a crazy concept i think like like that's sort of like the difference between i don't know like your generic like writer has to writer's block movies where mm-hmm. i don't know like the first example that comes to mind is that will ferrell movie with like emma thompson yeah like it's so stranger than fiction yeah. yeah it's such a stupid <laughs> hokey concept where I don't know, like the book starts talking to him or whatever. And here, Almodovar takes it in like a completely weird direction of her trying to write something else and then being asked to write down a takedown of her own work. And then she does it. And then it sort of like uh, snowballs into like this like weird plot line where one of her novels is stolen and there's like a movie going to be made. Like the stuff that happens in this movie is nuts and it doesn't really make sense except he will make it make sense. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's sort of interesting to think about this movie, like within the scope of his career, because it's like the sort of thing where it's like, you could read it sort of autobiographically because he, the way that the story that becomes Volver in Flower of My Secret is presented is this writer being like, I'm tired of of, of all this like dumb romance upper middle class like bullshit. I want to make something real about real people who are going to actually suffer through things and just like the sort of rejection of that. But then Almodovar as like a real life person coming back and actually making that movie. And and then sort of like it's it sort of makes it easy to like map the phoniness that her character feels onto Almodovar as a person, even though I'm not entirely sure that's the case. But it does it it just like it just made me think about it a lot. Like I think it is a we I think it is an interesting turnkey for his career, even if like he maybe one like appreciates it as as a movie in different senses i think it's a very interesting text that falls like as you said pretty in the middle of his career like after like the tie me up tie me down like matador like very like psychological sexual thrillers and then being like the, the him moving into a more mature period with like all about my mother i think the autobiography issue is one of those also like stop me if I'm talking too much um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the autobiography the autobiography element is really interesting here because I think one of the things that you can one of the direct connections you can see between the flower of my secret and Volver is this idealization of uh the Pueblo, just like the village that like mm, Amadovar mm-hmm. comes from. Yeah. And he, it's yeah. sort of this place that he is constantly idealizing in a way that like almost beggars belief. But he also really wants the Pueblo to be like this place of refuge, even though he himself as like a gay boy like coming of age in 1950s 1960s franco spain like under this like extremely conservative dictatorship would not actually have found the pueblo to be all that hospitable to him you would imagine um Mm -hmm. but yeah i think one of like the really fascinating things is sort of this like discontent with the city because the city is supposed to promise modernity um, if not prosperity, opportunity to uh, women, to artistically inclined women especially, right? And so you have Marissa Perra, this is character, Leo, come to the city and she's like this really big success and she has like this amazing mm-hmm. apartment, she has a servant. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and basically, what does she really want? Or like, what is the thing that she really needs in her life? She needs to like reconnect with her mom and who is also is not interested in living in the city anymore and go back to the Pueblo. And once she's there, she sort of like gets in with this group of like lace making women. And apparently yes. that was the- that was wild. And apparently like he shot that he shot those village scenes something like 15 miles from the village where he grew up. Uh-huh. And so he really just like wants 
I don't know. I, I, you see it so much, like, and then it off, also comes back again with pain and glory. Just like this idea of mm. like wanting to be folded back into a kind of childhood security. Um, and I think like that's sort of like one of the most recurring fantasies about Almodovar is that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting, like why he clings so hard onto this, but that was definitely like another element yeah. where I was like, oh, we saw this again. <laughs> that shot of them making the lace when they start singing, I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. On the other thing, like it also like that ties in with like his interest in like multi generational stories and like making sure and like really stories that are like really about like how 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 are you a part of your parents life like as they age and like and what is your role in contributing to that and and where wh- wh- you know are are you able to help them how much are they affecting your life right like are you are you going to give everything up and go back to the pueblo to to be with with your with your mother or are you going to like force her t- or or have her like adjust and, and live in the city with you and I, I, yeah, the, the, those sorts of yeah, the, the themes that he like both the location stuff and the generational stuff I think does tie in really well together um, uh, in Flower of My Secret. That was one of the things that I responded to most in that movie. And also, no surprise, he says he modeled like those scenes of uh, the mother and the sister played by Rosie De Palma. Oh, I love. Yeah. Um, so funny. Those uh, that mother and daughter fighting on his own mother and daughter, or his own mother and sister fighting, and <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where I read that in an interview, and I was like, "Who do you think like didn't figure that out watching that scene?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking, it's interesting. I. I don't know that I think the generational stuff feels a little more like an aside in this movie as compared to certainly Volver, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But then like thinking uh again of a movie with uh Chus Lampriv, uh who's in Flower of My Secret is the mother and she plays uh the aunt in uh in Volver. She uh she also is in playing a similar kind of like wacky mother grandmother character and what have i done to deserve this which is uh one that i really like that that's one that has and that has uh some really strong stuff with her and uh one of the one of her grandsons i think uh like uh, there's a what one of the funniest things uh to me in any of his movies is uh them finding this lizard and naming it dinero uh money uh, of course just naming yeah, the idea of a, a little lizard named money i find very funny <laughs> yeah he's great at those little touches but i was just like because it's again it's interesting to think about because he's also a person more than most other directors i know a person who also likes messing around with his own work in terms of just like referencing it and later things like obviously we watch broken embraces which is a movie that like off the references and deals with like the sort of legacy of uh women on the verge this movie then begets Blaubert like uh pain and glory sort of recalls back to like his early Banderas period and it's and it's interesting just like because Again, 
you sort of want to map autobiography like so, sort of an autobiography onto there but it's like pain and glory sort of like sort of spoilers maybe refutes that at the end and sort of like it, it like understands it as a form of like him trying to mold his own story and him trying to understand what happened like his his growing up through fiction and just like it's like I am just I think it's like more imagination than anything like that maybe really happened to him which is like obvious considering most of his movie star women and not are and like don't often feature people such as like himself especially in like this sort of period where he made Volver but like this like flower like the period that is like flower of my secret to Volver especially except for like Bad Education which is sort of my least favorite movie of his that I've seen but wrong opinion but go on (laughs) (laughs) if I mean it's interesting because I think Bad Education is a movie that I I might like more if I rewatched because it was the first one of his I watched and I was sort of just like puzzled by it because it was just doing so much I'm like I don't even know how to respond to this it's definitely a movie that is like much better on the second run for some reason well I know why it's because like it's so complicated and then when you see like how it all builds up um to what you're supposed to be watching you're like oh like that's what like all those performances were doing yes yeah for sure and I think it's also one of those things where it's like watching it as my first of his I was like I get it's like not knowing a lot about his autobiography and like the sort of themes he likes to play with I'm like uh, I guess I wonder what he thinks about like this the like the trans stuff and like the past stuff and all, and like the sort of like its take on homosexuality that like after watching 10 of his movies and going deep on him I'm like oh no I get it I get what it was doing and I think I would appreciate it more watching it now but to go back to like his career it's just like interesting how often he plays with like his own movies and his own career in his movies as also I think one of the best use of one of the best he's one of the best flashback filmmakers I think which is why I adore Julieta which is where it's a movie that just like is that like very intelligently reveals itself to be slowly devastating in a way that I just adored and I think and the friend who got me into Almodovar once described him as the only good storyteller and it, hmm. he, he sort of did it as a joke but it's a thing I sort of often come back to of just like I don't think anybody in movies can tell a story as well as he does just like remove any like like pizzazz in the cinematography like strip down some of the performances because I think he he has had different types of performances in his movies I think just the structure of the screenplay writing and just like the way he minds that sort of sort of pathos out of his actors and the way that things are revealed is just like unparalleled and I, I can see that's also why I can see like Far of My Secret doing less for some people like it maybe did for for you and only slightly there for me where it's like it is sort of like his most linear thing and that it just like everything that happens just like has a consequence and it is sort of contained within the realm of the movie beyond just like 
whatever betrayals might have might have happened before it. Whereas like you, a movie like Volver, it, it's it exists very deeply within like its own like mythology and the grief that these characters have suffered through. I mean, listen, yeah. I am happy for any writer character whose, like, happy ending is that she found a ghostwriter, so she doesn't have to write anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> yes, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, her relationship to writing, I think, is is one of the things that I, like, was very interested in in the movie. Like, you know, she's... It seems like she's able to, like, crank... Like, her... What do they say her contract is? Is, like, she's supposed to crank out, like, five romance novels a year or something and mm-hmm. like they paid her like a ridiculous amount of money for it and like it seems like but it seems like she like she's able to produce volume right because she like she has done this like other project that she like just threw in the trash or whatever like she wrote the entire thing that gets stolen uh she gets she gets this other job at el pais uh where she's like going to be writing under a different pseudonym um yeah her relationship to, to writing i think was was yeah, was something that I was really tra- and I think interested in, like thinking about it in co- in um in conversation with the way the movie treats like the other main art form that you see like or creative expression you see depicted with the flamenco dancing, right? With the um the, with her uh, her maid and 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 her maid's son who are like do- doing their flamenco da- dancing projects um and the way that they are um the like how for them it is like something that they are like trying to scrape money together to get to be able to do uh and um uh and but how like for her she's like she's doing this like and 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 it's so artistically fulfilling for them it seems like doing it doing the flamingo dancing but for her she's like people are throwing money at her she's able to get like a second writing job no problem uh but she's like still really unsatisfied and and has like and and is is doesn't find fulfillment in like that creative expression as someone who works in media that scene like very early on in the movie where the newspaper editor just like decides to have a meeting with like a woman who says she has never published anything before but she has like a giant leaf like like a giant stack of like essays and she's and he's basically like oh yeah i'll read this like um, right. I have like nothing else going on. I'm happy to meet with like an unknown writer. I was like, okay, yeah. Pedro. <laughs> right. I know. Mm-hmm. And like at the meeting, like without even re- having read any of it, he's like, yeah, I'll give you a job or whatever. Like, can you write an essay or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell like he's never someone who's had to like struggle very hard to get his writing respected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The flamenco, like when they show it the first time, where it's just like uh, he's practicing, uh, it's it, it was like crazy looking, and like that's like I think maybe like it's uh maybe like exposing myself a little bit is that like I do probably like it more just because it's like very visual and like very easy to follow, so I'm not like thinking about it too hard. It's like yeah, I just <laughs> like am vibing with this. It looks great. Um, there's the um, there's like so many like little things in it that I. Just, like, when I was, like, watching, I was, like, writing down of just, like, good quotes. Like, um, when she is first meeting with uh, Angel and, like, telling him what uh, writers she's like uh, or what writers she, she likes, she's, like, uh, people who are adventurous, suicidal lunatics and, like, starts <laughs> listing off the writers. And I was, like, that's very funny. Um, and, like, you saying that it's the skeleton for, like, a lot of his movies. Um, 
makes sense because I was like, is this like, <laughs> I mean, and it's like, I have not seen a lot. So I obviously could just be wrong where I'm like, is this his most colorful movie? Are this like, are these the best costumes? It's just like all of everything looks so good. Um, I did not watch Full Bear. And then like, <laughs> see, Full yeah. that's crazy. It's like, I mean, we'll talk about it. Full like, I, it did not really do it for me. Um, really? I, I thought it was like good. Like I, I, his baseline, like, I mean, we talked we talked about Broken Embraces. That's like probably the lowest of the ones I've seen, and I like most of them. But like Volver is somewhere in the middle for me, and like I was like so ready for everyone to be all in on Flower My Secret. Um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, I mean, there's great colors and everything, obviously. Like, but it was just like when I was watching because I watched Flower My Secret first, um, and like when I was watching, I was like, my gosh, this thing just looks incredible. Um, and there's like the scene where. Um, She's like, it's like right after she sort of um. She like try like eats all the pills and like drinks all the alcohol or whatever. Um, it like cuts to and they mentioned it earlier. There's like the screaming contests where it's like everyone just like oh, right, they're like the watching on TV yeah. and they're just like yelling at each other. Um, and it's like if I was like hungover, that would be the worst thing to have on yes. like the TV in a bar. Is just like people screaming as loud as they can for as long as they can. Um, <laughs> right. But then like right after that, um, she goes to like um, she's like walking down the street and um, the people are um, like doing the protests and there's like all the paper in the street and uh, mm-hmm. the way that he just shoots it is like her and Angel are like embracing and it's like a big like whirlwind of paper. And it was like, uh, it just like looks so good. And it's actually kind of like repeated a little bit in full there. When like Lola Duenas uh, goes back to the village after her mother has yes, died yes. and she just gets right. enveloped into the sea of black. Oh, with the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's also like uh, a line at the end uh, when she's talking with the maid's son. And there, and she's like, uh, "Go before I lose control and forget I'm a lady." And I was like, "Wow, that is so like a steamy line." I was like, "Just, you know, she's, you were talking about like that actress being like, uh, you don't like buy her as like losing control this easily or like being this like forlorn." I was like, "That is like someone who's like very like know what they want in a way that I was, I was like, this, uh, this is just really good." Yeah, it's interesting that you keep saying that you like responded so much to this visually because it felt like relatively toned down visually to me i mean certainly the the scene that you're talking about with uh that you were just talking about with all the papers that certainly that is probably that's certainly the most striking image to me in the movie but there's nothing nothing else that necessarily stood out i mean oh. like you I, I, was it before uh, after we started recording that you were talking about uh the costumes certainly like her hats those are like <laughs> very memorable and ha- her mean, hats and her coats but yeah. like there was one point where i think she was wearing like uh either i think it was like a red hat and like this like gigantic blue coat and I was like, she's Paddington. Yes. <laughs> this was, uh, I, I sent a screenshot to everyone when I was watching. I was like, Paddington came you know, in that movie. Just because yeah. she looks exactly like Paddington. It is true. Yes. 
They're sort of like a visual, I don't want to say like austerity, but I think like Jesse's right. They're sort of like this like uh, grayness to the film that like you very rarely see from him. I did read in an interview um, that apparently he went with like a cinematographer that he very rarely uses because all Mm. of the cinematographers that he usually uses happened to just be busy when he needed to shoot so he was like oh i guess like i'll go with this guy even though like i don't know him very well and then it turned out that was like part of his look that more neutral look and he said he ended up really liking it because it contrasted really well with sort of like the emotionality of like the rest of the movie but mm-hmm. i don't know i prefer like the hyper saturated just like no uh reprieve from like saturated colors Almodovar Mm -hmm. I think one of the other things that like you really see a lot in this period from him is a lot of framing through mirrors and circles and you've got like a lot Mm -hmm. of that here and it's definitely very like of a kind with sort of like this idea of this writer who is fracturing and falling apart because she is not getting the things that she needs to get um, either artistically or romantically and I think it's one of those things where I don't know like you get so spoiled watching (laughs) so many Almodovar movies Mm -hmm. one of the um, responses to the podcast on Twitter well someone like basically sent us like an Instagram account of um I think it's called something like Almodovar interiors or something like that it's basically like shots of apartments from like each of his Mm. movies and they're all so Mm -hmm. luscious and so extravagant and then when I saw this one I was like wait we don't even get like a cool apartment like what is this (laughs) yeah I mean yeah I I can see that there's like the shot um it's not really the apartment but just like uh, of Jesse saying that there's like not a lot that stuck out to you like the mirror shots I think are all like great and there's like Mm -hmm. he uses that um so well and then there's one where she like right after uh the husband leaves she like smashes this like picture frame that's got like all these marbles in it and it's like this crazy Mm -hmm. like slow-mo shot almost looks so Mm -hmm. good yeah i did love the uh the the editor's apartment uh where where she wakes up on that bed and like is surrounded by these like gorgeous windows like next to a church and everything uh, that was the the interior was like holy cow like this is like who wouldn't want to like spend their entire life like in that spot like just just absorbing the the vibes of Madrid. Yeah, but yeah. that was one where I was like, this is too beautiful because mm-hmm. earlier we get we get like a clue that he is a straight guy because he makes some offhand comment about like oh she has a husband like to her face like in this like disappointed way. But, like, in almost every other regard, doesn't he kind of seem like a <laughs> like a, like a stand-in for Amadovar playing, like, the gay best friend? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, like, they even kind yeah, of Yeah, they alike. totally look yeah. alike. Um, and so that was, like, what I kept waiting for. And then when they finally kiss at the end, like, yeah, they're in this beautiful apartment no, I do not believe any straight man can design that apartment. And no, because, like, I kept thinking, like, this guy was gay. Like, there was no sexual chemistry. And so, like, the ending really left me cold. See, I just bought it more as that he was just sort of, like, uh, just, like, you know, the friend, like, trying to get in. Like, 
trying to get like the relationship and then like he finally like wins or not wins out but like she he she relents or whatever uh yeah his apartment those chairs look so comfortable that they're sitting in they're like huge just like dense like comfortable looking chairs but they're also like really architectural looking they sort of look yeah yeah yeah. they're like deconstructed eggs or something yes yeah i didn't like this movie yeah (laughs) no yeah that was very yeah yeah yeah, no it's good Uh, very Um, funny let's so maybe we should talk about the connection between it and Volvere, yes, and then yeah. transition into talking to Volvere. So I guess so. Yeah, the the thing is in within the plot of Flower of My Secret, uh, Leo has like written a book that she or is it she? It was it's like a book or a story, right? And she that she has like tried to sell, and then like immediately it's a novel, right? Yeah. And was told like this is no good, this is not going to sell or whatever. So she just threw it in the trash. Uh, and then um, her maid's son steals it and sells it and gets basically takes sells it and someone develop is going to develop it into a movie uh, and it's uh, and so he and he uses that money to like fund his flamenco show uh, the the story of that she has thrown away that like is being made into a movie is. Um, essentially the the seed of what would become Volver. And mm-hmm. it was also, I believe, uh it like it based on a story that someone told Almodovar on the set. So so it's like it's yeah, it it, it was it, he like heard the story, he incorporated it into Flower of My Secret, and then like later it like became Volver. Um is is, right. is sort of the the journey there. So that's like why these two movies have like a like a a, a, cl- a very clear link and connection. Um, Jesse, can you give us some uh, rundown about Volverit can and what it's it was what what it was like there? Yeah, sure. I mean it it was uh, one of the uh, more well received movies of this year. I think it. I think this is, we're getting into the period maybe where it starts, and this is maybe even where it really starts with him not winning the palm with this movie where it starts feeling like, oh, he he really, like, should win a palm d'or at some point, and he still hasn't. This one wins uh, a group best actress performance uh, uh, award as well as winning screenplay, so it's kind of like... It, clearly there was a lot of enthusiasm for it uh but yeah it just like even more enthusiasm for ken loach which kind of happens again 10 years later <laughs> yeah. though julieta's not certainly not as well received as this is even if uh i think maybe me and emilio think it's just about as good uh but yeah yeah so so yeah so and you and you had seen this before Jesse right and yeah this is I I believe it is the first Almodovar movie that I saw just because I was like oh yeah that sounds like a good movie and I I definitely was like there were parts of it that I was slightly I definitely there were points where I kind of went in and out of one hundred percent understanding what the plot was uh and that was where that was another place where rewatching it definitely clarified everything like there was no and maybe it was just that i was like 
17 or whatever when I first watched it and wasn't as well equipped to understand it. Uh, but yeah, it definitely, having seen it after having seen a lot of his other movies was like, oh yeah, it, it confirmed what I'd been thinking this whole time, which is that this is, uh, uh, really, uh, one of my favorites of, I guess it is my favorite of what I've seen, though there are a couple of big ones that I haven't. I feel like it's very unsurprising that you say that this is your favorite because the more I think about it, like, I can't think of a bigger crowd-pleasing movie from him than this one, which is not to say, like, it's any reflection on your taste. I just think that, like, it's mm-hmm. especially coming after Bad Education, which is narratively probably his most complicated movie this one is so straightforward its pleasures are so like on like in your face like on the screen um and it's not like a movie that like you have to super think hard about like i think there's a lot of layers to this movie but like he's not trying to like do like razzle dazzle you with like all of like the super complicated stuff he can do like this is just like here's a movie here's like penelope cruz's beautiful face here's like the color red (laughs) everywhere here's like an amazing tango performance for literally no reason here's just like Mm -hmm. a bunch of women doing like a bunch of stuff that like women do and it's one of those things where you see a woman in a what it sort of like it's one of those things where it like uh encompasses like all of the emotions that like a woman could possibly feel and (laughs) yeah like it's just like a movie that's really easy to love although i my understanding is that either andy or cullen uh does not love this movie i mean i'd say it's like a soft love (laughs) like i i I definitely am like into it and like it i was just I, i don't know what it was like what like sort of uh magic he put on me but like flower my secret i was just so hot on that i was like yeah volver is fine we'll talk about it a little bit <laughs> um, yeah but, uh, i think i yeah i loved this movie i mean i like yeah i watched it this morning uh for the first time and yeah it was just like it's yeah it's i mean it's just another one where it's like yeah the the, the story of it all right the, the like the 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 twists and turns and like the reveals and all that stuff and the way that it's handled in like both a way that is obviously his movies are extremely heightened but they also feel so grounded in the like the and i think that that like really came through in this movie of like you're really like there with penelope cruz the whole time like you're really like i think you're able to be like very often like in her headspace and like really are able to 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 connect with her uh as all these like crazy things are happening and all these reveals and like all of a sudden someone has cancer and all of us like and all of a sudden she like there's all these and like you find out like her horrible tragic backstory and all that 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 thing like there's all these these you know really heightened plot elements but you're you're so in it the whole time i feel like yeah it is like you were talking about um sort of like his um how he's able to like have like uh like genre without like compromising anything like and he is someone then it's maybe like a unfair thing to use as a descriptor but like he is someone that like every time i watch one of his movies i'm like this is like how you do melodrama without like seeming too like campy in a way like 
uh, or like too like uh, like um, like without compromising. Like it works in such a way where it's like like Julieta is like um, you have like sort of like soap opera like things that happen in the plot and like in this like Andy's saying like it's just like someone dies someone has cancer like maybe there's ghosts it's like that in lesser hands could be just like okay like we get it like like and the thing if like we when we were thinking about doing this episode we were going to um we'd like sort of send it out to you as like maybe we'd pair it with this Fellini movie and it's like um he's someone I guess that like is very uh and like maybe this one specifically, I I could be wrong. Is like inspired by Fellini a lot. And last week we talked about Paolo Sorrentino, or two weeks ago, sorry, uh, we talked about Paolo Sorrentino, and he's someone who also is like very inspired by Fellini. And I think Sorrentino like misses the mark and like does too much in a way where I'm like, okay, like I get it. And like Almodovar is someone where I'm like, I like will just eat it up. Like, um this with like the body disposal stuff and like how it goes like full horror movie with the score and like everyone um when she's like first like mopping it up and like someone knocks on the door it just is so like i'm just like juiced up on it it's so good i feel like the italian influence is definitely on the right track i am not super familiar with fellini i think i've only seen armor cord um but there's definitely a lot of like Sophia Loren in this movie, right? Like, um, yeah. I think Almodovar has said, like, he took, like, uh, Penelope Cruz's eyeliner, like, directly from Sophia Loren as, like, a kind of tribute. And also for mm. our discussion of this movie on All About Almodovar, uh, I watched Sophia Loren's Two Women, which is, like, a huge influence in this movie. Um, Two Women is basically about, like, a mother and daughter. And it takes place like in the waning years of World War II in Italy, where the mother takes the daughter from the city, from Rome to the countryside because she thinks it's going to be safer in the countryside from like all of the bombings. And then some really tragic stuff happens because soldiers are bad people. Um, (laughs) But like so much of Volvera, like I think like for me, uh, Volver is like both a masterpiece and sort of like a lesser work in a lot of ways. I think because there is none of the razzle dazzle, like as I said before. But I think like uh, in like the little like cubby hole of like what it's trying to do, I feel like what it does, it does so well. I think one thing I really love about this movie is that you see uh you see penelope cruz's uh husband killed by their daughter and then you expect if there's going to be any sort of supernatural element of this at all that it's going to be the husband who comes back but actually the ghost that we see is like that of her mom right uh which i thought was like a very clever sort of like bit of irony and I think one of the things that I really love about this movie is that as with so many Almodovar movies it's just about like women coming together and taking care of one another because the men and their lives are literally disposable and so who is going to be there for women especially as they get older like other women and one of the shots I sort of just appreciated like 
the more times I watch this movie is this recurring shot of like the windmills, like the wind power. Yeah. Like, I don't know what they're called, spiral things. Yeah, like the wind yes. farm, yeah. And like all of the pastoral scenes in the Pueblo, um, in the small village where everyone is from, takes place in La Mancha. Uh, which is where you have Don Quixote. And so the windmill is sort of like the most enduring image of that area of Spain, right? And so Mm -hmm. instead of that, you see the windmill, like this like electrical uh, modernization of the Pueblo. And yet, even though time passes, the way that like women take care of each other, there's something really uh, timeless about that. And I think you get that like very... You get that like from like the very first scene of the movie where you have all of these women who are constantly thinking about their death, uh, like go to like the cemetery and they're cleaning both like their own gravestones and those of their family. And it's just like another example of how if all of these women were not here, there would be no one to take care of like the town. There would be no one to take care of humanity basically. And I think that like, there are so many parallels between what Penelope Cruz's Raimunda goes through and what her daughter pa- Paula goes through, right? Like, including mm-hmm. sort of like the attack, the sexual attack by a mm-hmm. father figure. And yet Paula sort of has it a little bit easier than Raimunda does in like a lot of senses. And so right. it's sort of like this idea that like, maybe if you just keep caretaking, like it will be better for like the next generation of girls. This is a really good movie, guys. Sorry, Colin, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is, yeah. I, I we, mean, we get it, this to this point on every episode. Yeah, <laughs> Colin's yes. gonna, the weekly Colin's wrong check in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. And I, boy, the sequence where she, like, and her friend, like, get the thing, lo- the, get the, the freezer loaded up into the van <laughs> and then drive it out and then, like, b- dig the hole. And, like, that whole sequence, I think, is, like, really probably my favorite sequence in the movie. Um, She, you know, she she comes to her friend, is like, I need a favor, can you come with me or whatever? And her friend, like, at first thinks she's, like, asking her to, like, to to do sex stuff with her. And then they, like, she's like, no, we gotta go. They, they, she, like, gets some people to help her load the freezer into the van. They drive out, she, like doesn't tell her friend really what's going on and the friend is like okay like that's fine or whatever and then they get that she has like the pickaxe and like Penelope is like she like the way that it films her like with the axe in the in the dirt mm-hmm. where it's like oh wow this is like she's not very effective at this part of the of the deal and her friend like takes over from her and then you cut to there's just like a giant hole in the ground and they're all covered in dirt and <laughs> and gross and sweaty and stuff and you can really um sort of just see the amount of work and effort that went into to, to this process and like how much of a an ordeal it is for them yeah i just and then you know you see her carving stuff in the tree which you don't get the full reveal of until like the very end of the movie which i really really like that yeah. that whole, the whole sequence was my was yeah was my the idea. the sequence that i was like just in talking about like what my favorite one might be is like i it was something that i thought was just like really beautiful in its simplicity of like when Penelope Cruz like first thinks that like she like smells the mom's farts and they're all like laughing and crying I was like that's just so beautiful and like the mom you see her like under the bed like also crying 
he's like and then it like you know turns a bit when she like finds all the like other stuff and uh reveals but then like the other thing that i thought like there's some great bits in it um the one that I thought was so funny is when she gets there and the sister's like, nice to see you, Raymonda, is like screaming the name. Right. So the yeah. Every time hide. she comes over, she it's yells her like, name yeah. out loud. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very sitcom yeah. in it. A very funny way. I feel like Lola Duenas is like just a really great comic actress. I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there was like one period maybe where she was thinking about uh, like trying to go more Hollywood. And I'm kind of glad that she never did. You know, it's interesting, Colin, that you were talking earlier about the 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 sort of melodrama influences, which is there, but maybe even less than some of his other films, and also the French, I'm uh, sorry, Italian influences, because uh, the big influence, and I can't remember where I read this, but I certainly saw it borne out, uh, rewatching it in terms of the score, and then, like, the big thing is, like, the, the rear projection a couple of times is that I remember reading some way that, uh, he sees this as kind of his Hitchcock homage, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and that, you know, maybe that is what, uh, working on that level is the level on which it's more effect maybe like working on that level and kind of adding in the kind of more regular Almodovar some of the more regular Almodovar melodrama stuff like tying those together is sort of the level on which it really works for me that education is the big Hitchcock tribute but I will okay. let that slide maybe I'm just confused <laughs> in my mind I think we keep circling around like this melodrama genre. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that what is really great about Volver is that he gives you these like really crazy heightened situations. But like the emotions never seem all that heightened. I think I and I think like a big part of that is like the Penelope Cruz performance where Mm -hmm. she's just so like. Like, I don't want to say, like, over it, but, like, she's very, like, accepting and, like, calm and, like, sort of almost calculated mm-hmm. about, like, what she has to do um, yeah. with each situation. And there is sort of just, like, this groundedness to both, like, that character and also, like, the movie as a whole. So that, like, you can bring mm-hmm. in sort of, like, a ghost granny and no one really will bat an eye because yeah. like all of the emotions in it feel really real. Yeah, I mean just like yeah, the number of times that like Penelope Cruz like is overcome with emotion in the movie. I think it's like it's just like three or four times where she's just like blinking back tears and is like really welling up. I think yeah. It's it's it, she's so good and like it's you can see and I mean, you can see like why they wanted to give the actress award to like all the actresses in yeah. this because it really mm-hmm. is like everyone's really working together so well and like everyone's bringing like a little different flavor and like it's like it's it's just it's and it all really blends together well. But I do think like she, you know she's she's such a standout in the movie. It's it's really a wonderful performance. The um the other thing that I thought was like a very interesting angle to play is the uh, aunt who has the cancer who goes on the TV show as like, um, where she's like, uh, they're like interviewing and then they're like, that's like how they reveal the sort of 
details about um, the fire and everything. And they're like when they all like hear that she's on the TV and like run into the bedroom. Mm-hmm. I really love yeah. that sequence too. Although I think that's one of those uh, Almodovar tropes too, where he really loves these parodies of daytime television and like really exploitative <laughs> uh, television. And I think that's just like another place where you see that contrast between the city and the countryside where, um, so we're talking about Blanca, Por- I think it's Blanca Portillo. Um, her, yes, yes. Um, her character, Agustina, who is like the neighbor of like the aunt right, the and is. the grandmother. And I mean, like basically she sort of exists as like a patient and as someone who needs taken care of, right? But it's also, I just thought really beautiful that like her sister, her own sister, who we see very briefly, who is like the person who introduces her to like the producers of that really sleazy daytime show. Uh, basically, her sister won't do anything, but because she's sort of taking care of the dementia uh, suffering aunt in the countryside, now it's sort of like her turn to be like taken care of like while she dies of cancer. I don't know. Uh, feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Does anyone have any kind of wrapping up thoughts on Volver? Maybe? I mean, yeah, we should say Amelia had to step away. He had uh, something yeah. come up. This is why uh-huh. he, he hasn't been icing everyone out. <laughs> uh, he, he had something come up. Uh, I'm sure he would have, he, he, you know, very into Volver. Would have been great. <laughs> uh-huh. I think this is like another one of those movies where... Like, the more, I mean, I guess this is, like, really true of, like, all filmmakers, but I think it's particularly true of Amadobar, where, like, the more you get into his world and, like, the more movies you see of his, like, the easier it is to appreciate all of the other movies that he's made. Mm-hmm. Um, this mm-hmm. one, I mean, like, obviously, like, there's sort of, like, the return to the countryside and sort of, like, the return of the grandmother as a ghost, but there are all of these other really extra textual elements of like return that are so beautiful. Um, I think like Penelope Cruz had her first to go around as like trying to become a Hollywood star, um, and she dressed and she starred in like a bunch of like really terrible dreck like Vanilla Sky and like Captain Corelli's Mandolin and Blow and all of that garbage. And basically, she went back to Spain, and then she made this, like, beautiful movie with, which has, like, the kind of richness that, like, there's no way, like, a Hollywood uh, production would give her. And then right. there's also the return of Carmen Mara, who starred in Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, and then apparently she and Pedro Almodovar had some sort of falling out. And so this is... So she, I think she starred in something like seven of his movies when he was starting out. And then mm-hmm. uh, basically this is like their first reunion like in 18 years. And so mm-hmm. it's one of those things where like if you know that history, um, it just like <laughs> makes that story like so much deeper. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. God, yeah. Her coming back. Jesus, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. I guess we we sort of circled around it. I, we haven't really quite talk, like talked straight on about like the ghost 
element i think of the story like the way that it is presented as like so many people are just like oh yeah well she's a ghost or whatever and like ghost people come back to to like take care of their unfinished business and the way that it that that sort of is like just like sort of an accepted thing in the world of the movie and like it's presented at such straight value that you that you are sort of primed to be like okay like maybe that is a thing in this movie is that there are ghosts and like i was remarking earlier like there's one point where she's like going to hug uh, or like she tells her daughter to come hug her, and I was like, "Oh, is she like, is her, is she gonna like fall through her or whatever? Because she's a ghost or whatever." Uh, I guess yeah. Within the text, of it, like she's not actually a ghost, right? And so, yeah, um, so, 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 but, but it is like I think it's fun that the movie like is able to play at that level where you're like, for most of the runtime, you're like, "Yeah, this might just be what this is." <laughs> um, and I yeah, I I really yeah, yeah. admire the audacity of that. I think Andy was saying something earlier about like how there are all of these soap opera tropes. Certainly faking your own death and pretending to be like your own ghost is a mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. soap operatic trope. Um, but I also just love that like even when you believe that she might be a ghost, ghost, she has all of these like very earthly qualities to her. I think Andy already mentioned sort of like the farts. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's just yeah. like her... I don't know, like, when she goes into the city, she doesn't really have, like, a place where she belongs, so she sort of, like, pretends to be a Russian, because whether she's, like, an immigrant, or whether she's just, like, a quote-unquote ghost from the countryside, or, like, whether she's just, like, an old woman that, like, society no longer has a use for, especially in the city, there's no, uh, there's no difference almost because like she's just sort of like this like non-entity other and so I think one of the really great things about this movie is how this woman who has always sort of like given externally sort of figures out a way to like both heal herself and also uh basically find like a purpose at the end of the movie but I think we mm-hmm. also talked about uh, the east to wind the insanity creating east to wind um, that is supposed that is sort of like a myth of the countryside and I guess like if you feel like you are able to believe an east to wind that makes all of these women go crazy like why not believe in ghosts like what's like exactly. the difference there really yeah yeah for sure just give yourself over to it <laughs> Um, I will leave you guys, I guess, as like a parting thought with like a piece of trivia I found incredible. Um, so apparently, so like you get this like very brief, like weird discussion where like Carmen Mal's, Carmen Mal's character is like, hey, like asks Ramunda, are your breasts real? Because like they're really big. <laughs> yes. And Raimunda's uh-huh. like, yes, like, oh, but also like, what kind of question is that? But apparently, right. Penelope Cruz was wearing a fake butt the entire time. Wow. Because wow. it's like part of sort of like this womanly shape that like this like yeah. you know, ultra sexy, ultra like earthy like mom was supposed to have. Like she's basically like top milf, right? Like that's like part of. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so they gave her a fake butt, and then Almodovar said in some interview apparently. Um, that he was inspired by like the fake butt that Dustin Hoffman wore in Tootsie, which s- wow. somehow like snowballed <laughs> into a rumor 
that it was actually Dustin Hoffman's prosthetic butt <laughs> that Penelope Cruz was wearing <laughs> to the point where an interviewer asked Penelope Cruz, so was that really Dustin Hoffman's butt? And she was like, no, I have no idea how this rumor got started. Like, it started as a joke. <laughs> you guys are, like, really taking this too far. So, yeah. That's so this funny. movie. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Cause yeah, there's that line where they're like serving the drinks and the friend's like, with your cleavage and my cocktails, we can't be stopped or whatever. Yeah. Great line. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. With that, I mean. Yes. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. Uh, Ingu, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, is there yes. anything you would like to plug in, um, in particular? Um, I guess I write about television, sometimes movies, on the Hollywood Reporter website, um, and also the print edition, I guess, but, like, I don't think very many people get that. And then I have a essay up on the Criterion Channel, like, essays page for Parasite, um, which came out relatively uh, okay. recently, so I feel like I'm still allowed to plug that. So... Sure. <laughs> Are you kidding? Of course. Like, I mean, yeah. Wait till you see Never stop plug. plugging <laughs> that. <laughs> um, um, all right. Uh, yeah. You can find us on Twitter at Can I Kick It. You can find us on Letterboxd at CIKI Pod. You can find us on either of those platforms. Uh, find me, rather, on either of those platforms at jp glick weber weber has two b's and you can also find all these links in the description uh boy oh uh since amelia is not here i'll also say uh that um you could uh, our theme song is by uh tree related who you can find on uh soundcloud or spotify and you can find Emilio at I'm Laugh Alone on Twitter or I Laugh Alone on Letterboxd. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I have reached the end of, uh, I've been plucking uh, the top 10 albums of all time. Uh, and this is the last one. And I did not uh, plan what I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> Wow. So I guess uh, let's so say... real off the top of the dome pick for yeah. Jesse. Uh, well, off the top of the looking at the long list that I have uh, in my notes app, uh, let's say Hot Rats, the Frank Zappa album. Wow, wonderful album, hard to beat. Andy, great. Uh, I'm Andy. You can find me online uh, on Twitter at Andy T. Germ or on Letterboxd at Andy T. Germ or any other social media platform you name at Andy T. Germ. Uh, I will plug... I've been plugging Tony performances that I love. Uh, I did, I should mention, the the first Alma Dovar experience I ever had was seeing the Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown musical, which I do quite like. Uh, and I think this, the cast album is, is very good and the score is very good. There's there's definitely... I don't I you know I don't think it's good as... Probably not as good as the movie, but there's definitely a lot to like in that score. Um, but uh, the Tony Award performance I'm going to plug this week is the... Um, the Daniel Radcliffe uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying Brotherhood of Man number, which is just so joyous and so fun, uh, and he really goes for it and does all the dance moves, and I like it a lot. So wait, that's your number one also, right? Because it was in tandem with Jesse's. It's not number one. It's just... W- no, yeah, I haven't w- been these going were in unranked. order. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I thought these were in order. <laughs> no. What? Oh my gosh. Okay. No. Well, look. Colin, <laughs> what do you got to plug? Yeah, I'm clackly on everything. Uh, 
and then I'll plug a friend of mine's Twitter, uh, Keeper by Twelve Film, uh, because I'm stealing a joke of theirs where they say they're I think they're a big uh, Almodovar fan, and they say and it works for the most part that every Almodovar movie could also be the title of Mrs. Doubtfire, um, <laughs> and it works. It's like it's pretty. It works pretty well. Woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Uh, all about my mother it's the bones are there so yeah i'll plug that (laughs) um, in the show jesse great i'll go ahead and release our audience bye-bye bye okay so i had to leave the pedro almodovar episode of can i kick it a little bit early so they have let me inject a little section here to talk about volver and since i am here on my own they have also allowed me to do it in spanish Así que aquí le voy a dar mis pensamientos sobre la película <coughs> Volver de Pedro Almodóvar. Lo primero que yo pienso es que esta es la segunda vez que yo veo la película. La primera vez me gustó, pero no la sentí tan alta como mucha gente la tiene. Mucha gente de su favorito película de Almodóvar es una obra maestra y yo la siento que es más, es más normal, es más middle of the road, más típica de él, pero al verla otra vez me encantó. Tiene tanto... La forma en que la historia que narra se desarrolla y el sentido de comunidad que estas mujeres sienten a través de la película me, me de verdad me llamó el corazón y me tocó especialmente Penélope Cruz, que, eh, sabe Es gracioso porque ella en en cierta manera pasa de la estrella más grande que ha trabajado con el modo ¿sabes? ella y bandera si quieres compararlo contrastar o decidir cuál de ellos son más famosos pues puedes tú pero voy a decir Penal eh, ahora mismo y sabe ella salió ella salió de muchas de sus películas y tú piensas que ella va a estar en el sabes trabajando el nivel de él que en la época ella primero salió fue Tú sabes uh, todo sobre mi madre y ella y eso es una película que aunque ella es, es más en el periodo dramático de Almodóvar todavía es bastante sabe al garete tiene una energía a veces los personajes son muy grandes pero ella le trae una naturalidad a esos personajes y ella y eso es lo que Almodóvar tiende a sacar en ella y lo que ella tiende a sacar en las películas de Almodóvar. Sus películas son obviamente mucho melodrama, pero yo ella tiene una forma de traerlo, traerle naturaleza y hacerlo parecer tan sabe tan normal y tan humano sus cuentos y yo no creo que ninguna otra actriz lo hace y eso no es un problema para otras películas porque yo creo que el tono que tienen es brillante, pero en una película como Volver, tú ves el, el rango entero de la experiencia humana por los ojos de, de Penélope y es más que es, es clase es, es un tremendo papelón que ella hace es de mis favoritas actrices ahora yo puedo decir porque otra vez le están dando un cuento que obviamente exagerado, es grande tiene ¿Sabes? Uno piensa que hay un fantasma en muchas partes de la película y tú crees que eso es. Eso no es, ¿sabes? Eso no es, eso no es típico de una, una película que con la actuación tan natural y tan 
sabes que te atas al corazón como lo hace Penélope en esta película y ella hace lo mismo en en Dolor y Gloria ella hace lo mismo en en Todo sobre mi madre seguro aunque esa parte es más pequeña ella también hace lo mismo en en Abrazos Rotos es, es que es una tremendísima actriz y el se le den con terror la película es, es, es tremendo Carmen Maura como la madre obviamente son, ella y el modo han colaborado varias veces más famosamente en, en mujer al borde de un ataque de pánicos y sabe ella más que sabe trabajar en ese tono y tiene una cara espectacular para el cine que la hace um, te estoy buscando el nombre de la otra actriz que sale la que protagoniza la, la hermana de Penélope en la película. ¿Cómo es que ella se llama? Lola Dueñas. Lola Dueñas hace un papelazo. De, ella es un poquito más estilo típico de, de Almodóvar, que es un poquito más grande, un poquito más graciosa, pero como, lo, como ella lo demuestra es tremendamente carismática. A mí también me gusta su... Su, su actuación en la película Zama de Lucrecia Martel, la película argentina, esa película sabe un poco difícil, un poco un poco sabe, es bien highbrow, es bien difícil de entender a veces, pero ella trae, le trae hace un papelón tremendo en esa película y aquí también. Y tú sabes, eso es todo lo que me hizo pensar volver es que ¿sabe? Especialmente en América hoy en día, poca gente le está dando estos clases pape papeles a mujeres de diferentes edades y de diferentes capacidades de actuación que al modo le crea a estas mujeres y con tu, si tú más que las dejas demostrar todo lo que tienen, es tremendo, ¿sabes? De una capacidad más alta, ¿sabes? Si tú le das... Si tú le das el cordón, ellos se lo llevan y a mí me encanta. Y sabes, eso es todo lo que yo pienso de volver. Y gracias por escuchar el episodio. Yo no sé dónde esto va a caer, pero si tienen problemas escuchar en español, espero que no, porque esto es lo que yo tengo más normalmente. Uh, Tengan un buen día. Bye bye. Con la fuerte marchita, las nieves del tiempo plantearon mi vida.